right. Welcome to the one-to-one podcast with our priest on a mission, Father Dan Leary. I'm your co-host, Kevin Wells. The name of the one-to-one podcast comes from the name, the words of Father Al. You said, when you're confronted with a child who is sick, you cannot be indifferent. You have to help this individual on a one-to-one, person-to-person basis. So the name, the one-to-one, comes from the words of Father Al Schwartz. And Father Father Dan, I got to tell you, last week, actually two days ago, I put my last period on the last sentence on a manuscript of a book, the biography of Father Al Schwartz. Um, I just finished, so it's a, uh, it, it was a labor of love, but it's nice to uh, put it behind me. It'll be out in the spring, and um, I'm, I'm really excited. That's 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 uh, <clears throat> that's great to hear, Kevin. My, you know, Schwartz was a was a missionary at heart, and so when he left the states and kind of landed in Korea, and the Philippines, and in Mexico, as I read his writings, and they're very prophetic in many ways, he prayed not to be noticed. Actually, so anytime I tell people about Father Al, when I told them in the states, like, "Who's that?" and they didn't even know. So that's great, man. Let's get his voice out there. I think Father Al's witness in life is um, has a purpose in the culture at this time. Absolutely. Yeah. He, well, he does. And Father, I'm going to dovetail on what you just said. It's not a, it's not very pleasurable for a biographer to write a book on a guy who didn't want to be known because he he didn't he, he didn't say a whole lot to the world. He said he said to the world through his actions. And obviously he spoke at length to the sisters of Mary and, and, you know, to the poor and the orphans that he tended to. But it, it was a challenge because he was so hardworking for 35 years. And, and as you mentioned, Father, he, he prayed not to be known. So it was some serious digging and researching and, and just scratching and clawing to, to get some good stuff. Luckily, God gave me a few things here and there that I could string together. But... But yeah, it's tough. It's tough to write a book on a guy who wanted to disappear and just sort of serve as Christ did. Yeah, I, the more I realize what I'm doing and the more I realize that I'm following just a saint that had the same charism, vision, mission as Mother Teresa. Same thing. But, you know, if you pray not to be known and God hears your prayer, you know, it's complicated, but it's beautiful. <clears throat> It, it it is beautiful. Last thing on that is is I I often think that if the writer Malcolm Muggridge back in the early '60s never came under the gaze of Mother Teresa, um, she would be unknown. But he he just fell in love with her, and he was an agnostic. And all of a sudden, he hung out with her for a week and saw miracles unfold. And now she's one of the most famous saints in the history of the church. So I I often think that if Father Al fell under under the same gaze of Malcolm Muggridge, the same thing would happen. But uh, that said, let's switch gears. How was Thanksgiving down there? What, what, what goes on in Mexico during Thanksgiving? Uh, work. <laughs> Stop bragging, Father. Stop bragging. Dude, it's Thursday, man. It's another Thursday here. Like, I didn't eat a turkey bone and have mashed potatoes, if that's what you're asking, bro. I woke up on Thanksgiving. I was like, come on, let's fire this up. I one mass, normally back home, go back to the rectory, have something to eat, chill, and then get ready to eat for the rest of the day. Didn't happen. All I right. did check out the score for the skins game, but no, I just worked, bro. That's it, Good. man. So you, 
And that, well, good. well, we figured you worked, but we didn't know if you brought that pilgrim's outfit that you usually wear up in the states. Did you, did you leave that? You leave that back in the closet at home, or what? <laughs> yeah, I left that, bro. I left that back because I just didn't think it would land well down here. You know, the, the, pointy, <laughs> the pointy shoes and that that little triangle hat thing. Father, well, it always works with you. Speaking of that, it's Christmas season. We'll just we'll send down the elf outfit down your way. So, <laughs> so listen, we got we got Advent. All right, we'll we'll leave Thanksgiving in our wake. You work your you work your tail off. We appreciate it, and we know the kids did. Uh, we got Advent. It's a season of waiting. This is this is this is the big one. Uh, December, early December was the first week. What, what do you what do you suggest for um for for Americans, and what have you been suggesting for the kids down there in Mexico? Well, two things. <clears throat> so the sisters and I, about about a month ago, the sisters decided that the girls would go home for Christmas, which is great. And so we developed, I mean, it's really classic. So I said, sister, why don't we do a sp- spiritual bouquet for the girls, a 30-day novena of different things the girls could do, masses, and it has uh, from November 15th through December 15th, and then the girls can put a little check when they did something, a divine mercy, <clears throat> a sacrifice, a spiritual ejaculation, like, oh my God, I love you. Jesus, I trust in you. And they'll fill those out. And then on December 15th, all the girls are going to bring those intentions to the mass in their families, bring them down the aisle at the offertory. And then later that day, I'll sign 3,400 little cards. Well, they're, they're eight and a half by 11 sheets. Uh, and so will the Mother Superior. And that will be the Christmas gift that the girls give to their families. Uh, so that's really profound. We're going to do a novena of masses for the families, which is incredible. I mean, the the places hop in. Um, but your question about for the for back home, man, I, I, it's hard for me to to um, emphasize enough the that just the profound difference of suffering in the poor and covid like covid doesn't know rich or poor it just cripples and just to remember like help people help the poor make sure that you guys are just not getting way down this is a huge year of transition for christmas if you were really big into making christmas cookies and all that stuff don't do it this year donate the money to poor no one no one's going to eat them anyway. They think they're all going to be, you know, tainted, so to speak, I imagine. Or if this, you always had a big Christmas party, tell the staff you're giving the money to the poor. Like those are all really practical things, man, that you could start a tradition with. I've thought about 10 things, you know, like if I were the owner of a company, I'd say no Christmas gift this year or we'll postpone it. But for now, I'm going to take the money I would have spent on this or that. Yeah, give your staff a gift, but there's just so many ways that that you could remember the poor, you know, and uh, those at-home Christmas parties, just give them the axe and send those same group of people the amount of money that you're going to spend on that Christmas party, donate it to a charity. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Father. That's an excellent idea. Everything else has changed, and we should change the way we think about gifts this, this time of year, too. I I want to I want to circle back to what you said the spiritual bouquet and and what you're preparing for these kids as they head back home all throughout Mexico. You know, I imagine heading back they're carrying with them as sad as it is to say and going back home to you know tough a tough environment that they're carrying some 
maybe some anxiety and some stress knowing that some of what they're going to confront is just not pleasant. Well, <clears throat> yeah, I think I can tell you what I know and then I can tell you what we're trying to do to help. Um, with the girls, not all of them want to go home. The sisters are so incredibly understanding. I don't know how many girls are going to stay, but there are certain homes that are not safe. I'll just put it that way. And the sisters are keeping them. They're like, you know, with the parents' permission, no? But the girls are even telling me, like, Father, I don't want to go home. And I know why. And it's the obvious reasons. It's unsafe. And it's unsafe in a very violating way. And um, so they're approaching their mother-sister and they're talking to the mother superior. And it's just all charity, man. It's just constant charity to protect the girls. Um, so yes, I know exactly. Then you add in the reality of they've been here for 11 months and then they don't even know what COVID is. And so, yeah, there's anxiety. They're excited to go, but they're nervous. I asked the group recently, how many of you are excited to go home? Not all the hands went up. How many of you that are going home are very nervous because things have changed? All the hands. Because, Kevin, during this time, you know, they haven't seen their families. So there could be debt, families who have lost a loved one. Families could have changed in their dynamic. There could be divorce or other family strife that the girls just got a letter. And that's what they're going home to. So, so Father, what are you knowing this as you do and knowing the devastations that these kids have gone through and, and really what they might go through in a couple of weeks? What, what do you do as their spiritual father, as their chaplain, especially with the ones that you know, uh, without a doubt, are really nervous? Uh, you know, well, we're preparing them spiritually now, and we're really trying to give them authority and courage. Kevin, I've had masses for, I've gone through the whole school twice now on masses with healing prayers, 100 girls at a time, and confessions more than once. These girls are going home as a light in the darkness. You know, they're all sleeping now. They're not getting up on time. Just, I mean, I was joking. I'm like, how many of you are sleeping better? They raised their hands. How many of you are getting up on time? They're not raising their hands. And it's a really funny joke. I was like, well, Jesus can't give you that grace. You got to get out of bed, man. <laughs> but they laugh. But um, really, we're trying to help them realize, like, hey, man, there's boundaries. Father Al said, yes. Yes means yes. And no means no. And there's no gray. And so I'm really talking to them strong about, you know, going out to those parties, those fiestas, going here, going there. And I'm telling them, like, I don't want you guys coming back all beat up. You're going home as a light in the darkness. And I think that they're going to face more spiritual attacks because they're going home as a light in the darkness to their families. So what you are is you're a spiritual Vince Lombardi, uh, you, you know, because because obviously through the sacrament of confession and the talks and retreats, you're coaching them up as best you can. But, but you it's like, it's like when the Packers took to the field at the Super Bowl, they had to play. So you're going to release them in a few weeks where they go home for Christmas. What is your biggest goal to, to just sustain them? Like what, what's a victory for you? Well, you know, internet down here costs money. Okay. And so, but some of the girls, Maybe they have Facebook and they're not impure photos. They're not that stuff. It's just a way for them to communicate with their families. Actually, it's the primary means in many ways. 
So I'm already recording daily masses for when they're home uh, and that the girls can pull up like a daily mass is like 22 minutes, Sunday mass is 30 minutes and keeping connected. Like the word the sisters and I keep coming back to is connection, connection. They're going to do a weekly holy hour. We're going to record that, post that. We're going to have a um, a Saturday divine mercy and a, and a weekly rosary. Also, the girls are going home with a, um, a daily spiritual, I don't know, routine, the gospel, and then a daily resolution. And then they're going to fill out something that they do every day and get their parents to sign it and bring it back to us. Just like I'm sending home a gift to them, the girls are coming back with a gift that says, these are the three things I did. I did this. It's three aspects. And it was part of Father Al's mission. He called it the apostolate to the home. Number one is prayer. Number two is service. And number three is preaching. And so that's the idea. Those are the three key components of the apostolate to the home. Father Al was really clear. Every girl represents a family. And that family needs to be catechized by the girls. So we're giving them as many tools. And even the masses online, they're really focused on evangelizing the family. So I'm talking to the girls, but I'm really talking to the families. Wow. So you're you're really providing the umbilical cord from Chalco to the home all over uh, through these um, through these mechanisms, these spiritual mechanisms, you're, you're tethering them to the graces. That's tremendous. It's, uh, yeah, there's always kind the of a safety net. Yeah. There's a safety net. They just feel like, Oh, I got to get this sign. I want to pray. And it, it's, um, it's kind of a, it's kind of a pleasant little pull to, to small measures of sanctity in the home. Yeah, totally. And I, I think it's, it's also really good. The girls really appreciate it. You know, I finally finished the fifth year retreat. Uh, I did all the retreats, uh, five retreats, 100 girls each. As soon as I get back and the girls are healthy, I'm starting on the fourth year. 140 girls, five retreats. And that's the goal. Okay. So, so, so with that, so you said that's the goal. And it sounds like the goal, sounds like you're working hard to make sure that these goals are met. So when, when all the kids come back, and and you start getting these uh, the sisters and you get the paperwork and you see all these checked boxes, which is great because that's that that was the goal all along. But when do you know that a kid it has really sunk in and this is a kid that wants to hand their life over to God completely and totally? When when do you see that? How do you see that? Well, I'm starting to see it now, Kevin. I'm starting to hear it in appointments and the sacraments that the girls are really just starting to say, yeah, like, this is it, Father, I get it. I'm totally in. And uh, so I'm starting to see that freedom of their heart where they're um, really talking about it. Yeah, even the vocation group, I have a daily, I have a weekly holy hour. and The numbers are growing um, of girls that are really discerning, right? I mean, the it's well over 10% of the fifth year girls are coming to the weekly holy hour. And so many of them, now they have a spiritual director, one of the sisters, because I just don't have the time. And all of them are saying, my fear is my parents because they're not going to understand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, because they came now they're, now these girls are smart. They're educated. The parents all want them to come home and work. And these girls are like, no, I want to give my life to Christ. Yeah. Right. 
And yeah. we're even doing a retreat in a couple of weeks over over while the girls are away for graduates. And girls are coming back who have been in the world, who have studied, because they still have this call to want to be a religious sister. So it's powerful. Well, yeah, it, it's it's beyond powerful. It's it's divine. It sounds like you. It, it doesn't sound like you are building uh, future saints, future priests, future sisters um, with the grace of God and with the help of the sisters. Um, kids are kids are truly turning their lives over on, on that on that incredible heartwarming news. And and there hadn't been a lot this year. That that truly is, I think, to the listener. By the way, for the listener, Father Dan is. Just in Mexico alone, there's over 5,000 boys and girls that uh, Father Ann is chaplain to in Chalco and Guadalajara. So he's he stretched them, but he sounds like he's doing good work down there. So, Father, uh, with that said, uh, thank you. Happy Advent. And, and can you take us out in, in a prayer? Sure. May the Lord bless you, protect you, give you peace. May the Lord give you the peace of Christ during this Advent season that you may trust in God's abiding love. Know that Emmanuel, God, is with us is helping us each day to grow and to trust. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. We'll catch up with you in a week or two. Peace, bro. All right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the One to One Podcast with Father Dan Leary and Kevin Wells. If you want to learn more about the founder, Father Al, or how to support Father Dan's mission and the Sisters of Mary's mission, head on over to worldvillages.org. And to follow more podcast episodes, go ahead and subscribe, like, share this podcast so more people can find out about the goodness coming out of these awesome conversations. For more podcasts and podcasts just like it, head on over to holyruckus.com. Thanks so much.